to Shakashala podcast number six. Today I'm just going to talk a little bit more about the hypnagogic, so the pre-sleep state, and the hypnopompic, the post-sleep state, and also just offer a little bit more clarity surrounding a process of building on how we work with the lucid dream. So later on, we'll start to talk a little bit more about nightmares, working with nightmares, working with nightmares lucidly. So in the next podcast, I'm going to start to delve into the sort of realm of nightmares. Uh, Something I think every one of us who's dreamed has always had a nightmare. And it's something that can become a very powerful source in our lucid dreaming of clarity once we start to change the way we engage with it. into the hypnagogic. So hypnagogic is that pre-sleep state we talked about in the last podcast. Uh, A good practice is to sort of set aside 10 minutes, 15 minutes when you go to bed to actually just lie in bed and kind of really start to engage with the state. So you might set an alarm to go off 15 minutes later and then go to sleep. You'll lie on your back for that 15 minutes, close your eyes gently and just initially just become aware of what's going on so you're transitioning into a different state of consciousness and as you transition into that state of consciousness generally we'll start to have imagery behind our eyes lights colors shapes it can very much vary with a lot of people key thing about this state is it's highly creative Uh, so thomas edison in his final planning of the light bulb, he actually used to sit in the chair during uh, during the sort of later afternoon and have a nap and he would hold two ball bearings in his hands as he was lying there and then eventually when he just nodded off he would drop the ball bearings and wake himself up and the imagery that came from that hypnagogic state that he was in became his final, basically his, his final drawing and his final idea for the light bulb and how it would work and how it would look. Uh, another sort of idea of how the hypnagogic state can really influence us uh, is through Salvador Dali. So Salvador Dali also was partial to using things like absence on top of his art. But what he would do is he would maybe have absence or even just nap. Uh, and he had a slightly different mechanism that would wake him up, but it was a very similar concept that when he fell asleep, something would fall and that would not wake him up, and he would go and draw what he had seen in that state. Uh, a lot of psychedelic art is really kind of dealing with the hypnagogic state, um, so we get a lot of that geometry, we get a lot of that very um, precise mathematical shapes, or sometimes very vague shapes or very ghostly shapes. Now, it's really up to you how to work with the state. Many people who are artistic or creative, they may find the state could be a massive goldmine for just artistic design, really. Just somewhere where you can really just go and, and shape and play and, and really just create. Uh, the other one is you can look into uh, using it as a, as a state of affirmation. So it's a very powerful state uh, pre-sleep. Our kind of link into our subconscious is a lot more direct. It's a lot more subtle than the gross waking consciousness. So if we have certain things we're working with, it might be 
giving up smoking, taking up a new habit, uh, wanting to become lucid in a dream, uh, maybe working with a bit of sports performance. Sometimes it can be a lot harder with precise visualizations and hypnagogic because we are starting to fall asleep. Generally hypnopompic, which is the waking opposite, uh, lends itself a lot better to sports visualization just because the state itself is very clear and mind is a lot more refreshed from the sleep that we've had. So generally affirmations, um, if you have like a spiritual practice, this is a really good time to engage with it. So if you engage with spiritual practice, things like Nadi Shodana, alternate nostril breathing, things like Guru Yoga, mass mantra recitation, anything like that, even if it's just a sense of, of putting out an energy to something to help you on your way or your higher self or wisdom, this hypnagogic state is a very powerful place to do it. So I recommend all practitioners who are spiritual practitioners that this is really a realm that you, you really want to get involved in when you go to sleep. Hypnopompic is the opposite state. So I say to people, you set your alarm to wake yourself up and then you stay in bed for 15 minutes and then the alarm will go off again. So you're essentially setting two alarms. Now this is kind of like the dozing state, but once we start to recognize it, it's actually a lot more precise than that. So what happens is we wake, our dream is ended, and we're sort of in the state of, the body is very, very soft. Sometimes we can't even feel the body. Uh, our mind is very clear. Sometimes it can be no thought or very little thought. The more we start to recognize the state, uh, the more we can start to work with it. So this is really like where wisdom is. If we are uh, looking maybe to the answer to a question, we might lie in the state and answer the question and just sit there and lie there. It may not reveal itself in a totally logical way. It may be more of a feeling or a sensation in our body and our mind. And it's also very, very good for working with visualization of sports, um, any sort of visualizations might be overcoming social phobias, uh, giving presentations, there's a lot of applications with the hypnopompic state. And basically it's because visualization is very, very simple in the state. We can do quite complex visualization without really trying because the state that the mind is at that moment is a very easy state to work with visualization. So I recommend people, if you're working with visualization, this is really when you want to do it. It can also be a very just beautiful natural meditation. It's like you meditate yourself into the waking day and you carry that meditative consciousness into your waking life, which again will permeate a lot of parts of your waking life. Now, those of you may be started having to lucid, have lucid dreams. You may have been working with ways of trying to stay lucid more often, trying to play with things and finding what's working and what's not. What I'm going to talk briefly about is now that you're lucid, there is a, kind of like a pretty kind of direct path that you can start to work with to slowly start to unfold the nature of dreams, how dreams occur, where they kind of come from. One of the first practices I say to people who get involved in is really just learning to manipulate the dreamscape. And it's not like a control manipulation, it's more just a sense of seeing your relationship to a dream. So the first thing we might do when we go lucid is we may move objects and this is going to be a really powerful thing to do, just moving objects around, seeing how our mind influences objects. Uh, the second thing can be 
transforming objects, turning objects into other objects, uh, making objects bigger, making objects smaller. Another phase from this is bringing objects into existence, so we might think in a very precise, clear way of an object and bring that into existence. And as a spiritual practitioner, it might be something like a statue or something that represents maybe a lineage that you're associated with, so that practice has a lot of power behind it. Another thing we can sort of do here is uh, walking through objects. So working, walking through objects is a really direct way of experiencing the illusion of a dream, seeing what we thought was real as an illusion. So we might walk directly into things. So I sort of had a dream recently where these dogs came running at me and I recognized the dream and I just basically stood there. I didn't have to do anything. It's like they passed straight through me. It's a sense of not having to manipulate the dream because you understand the nature of the dream itself as an illusion. So it's not really necessary to try and fight with it or work with it. Once you realize what it is, it's kind of like a thing where you don't really need to do anything at all. So I'd say sort of once you're getting down into this sort of road, I would just say the first thing to really sort of start to play with once you've sort of I mean, lift out a little bit of fantasies in some ways as well, is start working with the space, working with objects, moving objects, changing objects, bigger, smaller, walking through objects, uh, even like your own body, putting your hand through your dream body, even a sense of trying to let go of the dream body. This can be a bit more advanced practice, which I'll get into later. But just trying to break down even the concept of the body itself being real in the dream, and that the body is a dream just as much as the objects are a dream. So next time I'm going to just delve into the world of nightmares. I think it's about time we talk about nightmares, talk about the nature of nightmares, talk about becoming lucid in nightmares about the, the energy and the power that nightmares actually have and how they can be some of the most powerful and beneficial tools in lucid dreaming once our mentality towards these nightmares change. So again, thank you for your time and keep the practice. Any questions or anything, you can just message me on Shakashala under Instagram, Shakashala on Facebook. Uh, any questions, please go for it. You know, if you feel the urge to sort of Start a bit of a meetup group as well with your friends. This is a really great way of building practice and building community around practice. And it really does directly affect your lucid dream. A lot of times when I have a sit around with friends for an hour talking dream, I always lucid dream that night. So there is a lot of power in that community around it. And until next time.